1: Good evening, Cleveland. I'm here in Foxborough with Ian Wright. right, right. Ian. It's another loss. How are you feeling?
0: Well, the international man of mystery yourself, Paul Brown, coming all the way across the pond to watch that game for the Browns. You know, you were there. You got wet. You froze. Um, it was. It was a frustrating game, um, but probably not for the same reasons that most Browns fans are frustrated. So. Tell me a little bit. Uh, how was it being there? Uh I've never been to Foxbro, never been to uh the stadium. So tell me about it. What did you what did you what did you see?
1: Well, it, it, I'm gonna mainly discuss the weather, but let me tell you first about how it's been so far. So I landed last night, a couple hours late, got picked up from the airport. Shout out to my man Zach Williams, who drove me all the way back to the hotel. And then um yeah, last night it was a Browns meet up in Buffalo Wild Wings. Fifty to a hundred people turned up. Larry and the Muni lot had their buses, so that was all cool. M- I met up some people who worked at breer Had a really nice evening. Had a few drinks, and then obviously this morning, wake up in the hotel. And for some reason, I thought the hotel was just going to be all Browns fans, but totally outnumbered 90% Pats fans and a few Browns fans here and there. So all well, the Pats fans must seem to like drive in and stay in a hotel. And I'm like, anyway, and a uh, big tailgate this morning. Great atmosphere. Low 50, 50 people again, but it was all about the weather today. It was absolutely tipping it down, raining and, I've never ever experienced this in my life of being so cold for so long, so wet for so long and it made me think on the way home is, comparing it to soccer, we would sit outside for 90 minutes and we've got a roof over our head. I don't think I've ever been in a, a situation where I'm outside for so long in the cold tailgating and then actually sitting in a ground soaking wet drenched through it was absolutely horrendous like uh, on my body it was like yeah, being you, a kid again having a paper round
0: you get cold to the core and that's uh i think anybody that's a football fan in ohio i know we used to go to some ohio state games and even some browns games you just once you get wet too that's just kind of the worst because it just it sits on you and it just cold and miserable and the entire Midwest this weekend just had some really piss poor weather. I mean a lot of the college games were covered in rain and then you know a lot of the programs today just brutal weather. So a lot of people said to me
1: oh you're used to this weather in England. Well in England it's a different rain. It's it rains a bit. It stops or it's misty. It's foggy. It's just annoying misty rain. This was heavy tropical style rain that never ended walking from the like the tailgate to the stadium i'm just drenched i'm like walking in two three inches of water my shoes are saturated with water and yeah we just n- we would never experience that in england because you go to the game on a tube you go to a pub where you're warm you may have to walk in the rain for a bit and then you're in a stadium with a roof over your head. So for the first time, I'm starting to understand about football that and maybe people that don't go to a lot of games can understand that when you see people out in the cold, in the rain, in the snow, it is brutal in American football.
0: It definitely tests your fanhood. There's no doubt about it. And I know just from the TV broadcast, they would show kind of the lights so you can see. And I mean, it was just coming down in sheets. And you're, you're seeing the guys on the field and you're like, this is just one of the worst conditions to play in. You know, honestly, I remember back in my days, I would much rather have played in snow than that cold rain. It's just, it is literally the worst thing in the world to play in. It's miserable. I've got
1: to say, you know, I'm talking about end of October. I wonder what that coldness would be like in November, December, just just before it gets snowing. And if it was a bit more colder, the temperature was okay. So it could have been a lot more brutal.
0: Yeah. And and temperature is a controllable. It's telling you, I would rather have 32 and just cold than I would 45 and 50 and rain. It's just, it's the worst. Honestly, it's the worst
1: if anyone says to me, like, oh, wear more layers or you're wearing a kill, the kill made no difference. You know, it wasn't that way. Giant
0: wet. sponge. It's just a sponge. It's just yeah. soaking up water.
1: All them layers I had on was just wet, heavy. So, yeah. yeah.
0: but Can you imagine carrying a football in that weather?
1: The thing is, I like, the atmosphere in the stadium was like everyone had industrial fishing-style waterproofs on. In the game, just sitting there.
0: Waiters, the basketball. Yeah, waiters shops, and waiters and stuff. Yeah, it's like human uh, ponchos.
1: Yeah, and everyone just sat there watching it. I was like, it's quite impressive, actually, um, the hardcoreness of the American football fan just sitting there, enduring it. But anyway, we're not a weather channel. We're not a weather podcast. Let's talk about breakdown, down the good, the bad, the ugly. Ian, how would you break down the uh, offense?
0: You know, it was one of those games, and I, I mentioned earlier about being disappointed, and the reason I was disappointed, not because the Browns lost, but they did cover a 14-and-a-half spread if it was out there. Um, it was more, I wanted to see them stack up against the Patriots. You know, the Patriots are, you know, the the benchmark of the NFL, and I thought that – I really wanted to go out there after the bye week show what we were made of and really kind of just trade punches with them. And, you know, we come out the first drive there, you know, they get the one first down, but then they go three and out. And then we go three and out. And, and I'm like, all right, both teams are getting settled. And then fast forward in the first quarter. And it's like, what the hell just happened? Like, you know, the, the, the weird thing about football is, is we talk about how one or two plays can make a game and I hate to do the Dave Wonstat. If you wouldn't have this, then you would have done this. But if you take away 14 points that we gave them in turnovers, gave them, You're, you played punch for punch with the best team in the NFL on a brutal day. I mean, we saw big plays being made by the Browns, and you just couldn't capitalize. And, you know, you were in the stadium, so you know how brutal it was, and you just see a guy like Nick Chubb just having trouble holding onto the ball. But then you look at the Patriots, no turnovers. And that is why they are the benchmark for the league, because even in adverse conditions, even when, you know, they're not playing their best, they're still able to go out there, do the, you know, handle their business, play under control. And listen, they didn't look great today, but I think anybody's going to play like crap in that weather. And it was just frustrating because I really wanted the Browns to go out there and show what they were made of. And damn it, if they didn't do it after the second quarter, I thought they, you know, they played a pretty solid game after that. You know, I know a lot of people are just back on killing Freddie Kitchens. But the problem is, the next nine games, we don't play anyone with the caliber of New England. You know, we got games against Denver and Buffalo, and they got schlacked today by Philly. And, you know, we got the Steelers, Ravens, Dolphins. Car- None of these games, it, it doesn't shock me. The Browns go 7-2 and two to end the season, 8-1, whatever. I mean, who knows? I wanted to see them go out there and just give New England the business for a period of time. And it just, it was disappointing to see – So many bad balances right off the bat because it just killed all of that momentum coming out of the bye week
1: Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm going to disagree on you one thing. And I'm probably thinking to myself right now, it's like, or seeing people online just saying, we're going to win all the rest of the games. I just, I really don't think it's going to be that easy. I think there's going to be a lot more challenges and hurdles to overcome. Even like Denver, It's going to be snowing there this week. It's not going to be snowing next weekend, but once again, anything can happen in the NFL. And uh, I think each game is going to be a battle and maybe we go six and 10, maybe, mate, to be honest.
0: Here's the thing though. And with all the games left and the, the biggest issue we as Browns fans have is we set expectations. We had all these people telling us how great we were this off season and here we come out and just lay an egg the first half of the season. And I know we just had to buy and we're two and five, but realistically we're going to go the rest of the season with an expectation that we're going to win each game. So even if we win the games, we're still going to go back and talk about how the games that we didn't win the Tennessee game, the Seattle game, you know, those type of games. So the problem is, is the wins won't taste as good just because these are the teams you should have beaten you know so even if they finish the season 6 and 3 you know and end up 8 and 8 on the year maybe that wins you the play or the division maybe you you know sweep sweep the division and baltimore you know they're going into a buzzsaw of a schedule so all these things are possible but at the end of the day the browns need to make the playoffs I don't care how many games they have to win; the rest the nine, they need to make the playoffs. Because at this point, I want to see them in a pressure cooker situation. Because I saw some really great things today, and I saw some really bad, just shit burgers on that field.
1: Let's start with a score for the offense out of ten.
0: Well, the biggest issue you have with the offense is you have to factor in, you know, the shit burgers that I just mentioned about. So you got to give them a four. I mean. You cannot gift a team like New England 14 points. And, I, you know, I listen, I get it. You know, Nick Chubb after the game talked about how he let his team down. At the end of the day, I'm not worried about Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb today, uh, in spite of those two carries, showed me that he is one of the top backs in the NFL. That guy, I mean, it's a fluke play. He's squeezing the ball in the first one. It pops out, and, of course, they're right there to scoop and score. I mean, that's just the breaks that they've had this year. And, you know, on the second one, what a hell of a run. I mean, Paul, he, he kicks right. He bounces back with the vision, you know, that is just amazing vision. He accelerates through the second level, goes through the secondary. And if you watch right towards the end, he's, you know, he, see, he sees the end zone and he's ready to punch it in. And Odell is running with him. And you see, you know, the the guy from the Patriots go to punch it. And Odell tries to reach his arm out and hook it because he knows that that's what he's trying to do. So veteran move there. But you know the ball gets punched out, and you're just like, "Son of a bitch!" Like how how did he break off this just beautiful forty yard run, and then just that happens at the end. I mean, it, it was just one of those ones where, offensively, they had just got you know got the field goal. We had gifted them the touchdown. How great would it have been if on the very first damn play, Nick Chubb houses it for sixty yards after their guy kicks it out of bounds? I mean, that completely changes the complexion of the game, and you know three turnovers on three straight possessions, and now you're staring at a 17 nothing deficit. I mean, that is just New England Patriots football 101, full leg defecation mode, and you're just eating shit the rest of the game.
1: Yeah, I've got to say it felt really good when Chuck was, or they were running with the balls. He um, felt that there was going to always do some sort of damage. Obviously, they had the problems when they uh, fumbled, blah, blah, blah. But Baker it felt like all oh, Browns felt like they were thrown a little bit too much in the, in the weather conditions, but that, that's all I felt in the stadium. It's hard to say without watching it on, t- on uh, TV.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, when you get down 17, nothing, you try to make a few things happen. And I thought the Browns did a great job kind of bouncing back. I mean, talk about getting three straight kicks in the teeth. You know, they put together a drive where you're right. Nick Chubb was unstoppable. And I will tell you, New England is susceptible to the run. So next Sunday night, Browns fans, don't be surprised when Lamar Jackson and the, you know, the Baltimore running game is able to break off pieces on them because, you know, without those turnovers, you're looking at a totally different game. And I mean, Nick Chubb ended up with 20 carries, 131 yards. And I know Baker and Don Charles Hillary. So you're talking about over 20 carries for a running back. That's a pretty good ratio. I mean, I think Baker was 20 to 31. Buck 94, a touchdown, and an interception. So I thought the balance was there. I thought Freddie Kitchens really had a good plan offensively on how to attack them. Um, I think we even pointed it out in the pregame show how with them going to Justin McCray, they were going to be really run heavy. And you could definitely tell the first bit of that game, our offensive line was leaning on them, was pushing them around. We were winning at the line of scrimmage. It kind of shifted later on in the game because as it would, I mean, Bill Belichick's not going to sit back and let you do that all game. But once they started stacking the box because Nick Chubb was breaking off runs left and right, that's when you saw Baker having to throw more. It's 24-7, 24-10, you know. You just – you look, I don't even think Nick Chubb had more than two or three carries in the fourth quarter alone. So, it's just one of those ones where you got to score and you got to score quick and you, you, you lose your most valuable offensive piece. So, I, I didn't really have an issue too much with the, the balance there. I thought that was pretty well um, – You know, I mean, Landry had his five catches for 65 yards. Odell had five for 52. So those two, you know, you kind of knew in that weather they weren't going to be able to do too much. I know Odell had a late uh, big play that kind of padded a little bit of his stats. But, you know, offensively, I just – I saw a lot of creativity. The interception, we talk about changing guys on the offensive line and McCray and Betonio don't communicate and you don't block a defensive end on an inside shovel pass. I mean that is <laughs> that, that I don't know what to I, I watched this play and I'm 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 dumbfounded and I'm like what the hell just happened? We literally lofted a ball to a defensive end. I've never seen it. Never seen it.
1: Yeah, one of the um things maybe in the fourth quarter I looked up for total yards Browns versus Pats and we were like on par with Par with him. I don't know how it finished off.
0: actually finished he, off about the same. I think it was uh, both had about 318, 310. Um, it was about the same, total yards. And we outrushed him. They outpassed us, which is kind of typical.
1: And watching Brady for the first time live, he doesn't watch the game when he's not on the field. He's just purely focused on himself. He's just throwing the ball. Not any interest at all what's going on. He is a machine and a, and a robot in that aspect. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, I think four or five for the offense, frustrating. here's but, the got some negative. rhythm at times, and then,
0: yeah. I'll give you the biggest negative on offense, and this has to change. And I don't know, you know, obviously, Freddie's in his seventh game. So I'm not, I'm not on the fire, Freddie, and all of you people that are, get the hell off that. That is a ridiculous take. But these pre-snap penalties have to go away. I mean, I know we finished with 13 penalties for 85 yards, six pre-snap penalties. That is, that isn't on coaching. No, no coaches out there. I, even though there was one, I heard. I think Zagura said that they instructed him to jump offside so he could go for it. Whatever. They don't. Insh- they don't teach false starts, Odell. They don't teach false starts, Farrell Brown. Guys, like getting behind the chains and going first and 15 against the best team in the NFL is not going to cut it. So I don't know what Freddie can do. You can't fire everybody. You know, you can't cut all these players. You can't bench him. It's not one guy. I mean, Hubbard had one. Um, McCray had one. Farrell Brown had one. Um, You know, all these guys are getting these penalties and it's just, it's a lack of focus and offensively. If they don't clean that shit up, they're going to, they're going to be facing first and 15, first and 20, first and 25. I mean, It's just you're absolutely killing any chance you had at a sustained drive with these stupid pre-snap penalties. They have to go away. New England, four penalties, 32 yards. That's a top-tier football team.
1: We've tried discussing it with some football fans after the game, Browns fans today. What do you think, Ian, is causing these pre-snap penalties?
0: It is, a, it is a lack of mental focus. You know, a guy like Odell who's on the outside, I, I in my life can never have a good a- idea of why a wide receiver should have a false start. You, you are staring at the ball. You, you're not, you don't know the snap cut. You're staring at the ball. If the ball doesn't move, you're not moving. I don't get it. Pharoah Brown, come on. I mean, you know, it, we, we get the ball back. And it's first and 10 and boom, Pharaoh Brown 15 or five yard penalty. Now it's first and 15 very next play, screen pass, beautiful play, Nick Chubb, 13 yards. I didn't see the hold. Um, They didn't show the replay of it. I'll have to go back and watch that on Batonio. I, I I found it very odd that the officials were having a difficulty time with the correct number. You know, there was on a penalty on special teams. They called on our Darius Taylor. He wasn't even on the field. So I found it very odd that they were randomly missing. I think uh, four or five, out of the first four or five penalties, I think three times they got the number wrong. And I think a couple times even Romo pointed out, they're like, I don't think the penalty was on him. I think it was on him. So, but regardless, they just have to do better. They have to stay focused. You got to know the snap count, you know, if you're an offensive lineman, you know, on one, I think both McRae um, and Hubbard jumped at the same time. So there's just, that's a communication thing. You know, JC Triter, Baker Mayfield, clean that shit up. I mean, we really have to eliminate that because If we want to make the playoffs and beat the teams we're supposed to beat down here in the stretch, if we're first and 10, we're a very tough offense to beat. If it's first and 25 or second and 25, we're the Miami Dolphins. So Hmm. clean it up.
1: I've never ever played on the O-line, but here's a question. Can't you just like say to yourself, I'm just going to give it 90% instead of 110% and just not give up the penalties or is it losing that half second just so vital?
0: You, yeah, if you give it a half second, a guy like Miles Garrett or a guy like Dante Hightower, they're right by you. I mean, okay. the whole the whole point is to set cadences, so you know what the snap count is, what we're going on, so the entire team moves. Because in an offense, you need you're going backwards, they're coming forwards, so you need that brief second where you know the count and they don't. And you know, there's there's theories on watching fingertips squeeze and all this stuff, but that is strictly a discipline thing and there is no way Freddie is coaching this. That is just strictly an execution on a player standpoint. The mm-hmm. technique stuff, I get it. With the hands of the face, and you know, I know they called Eric Murray for one, and De, uh, De, um, De, Demarcus Law. What the hell? Um, I can't think of his name. Uh, Lawrence, ninety-nine. You know, they called him for a hands of the face, and not sure if exactly it was Devereaux Lawrence. Thank you. Um, those are technique. Those are on the coaching staff. They can get in there and show those guys how to do that. But for the most part, these pre-snap penalties have to go away. They have to. I mean, that's six penalties. That's 30 yards. Um, you know, without those, you're looking at seven penalties for 55 yards, which still sucks, but it's a lot better than 13 for
1: 85. We've talked O-line and running backs. How do you feel the tight end room did today?
0: Um, Demetrius Harris showed up, got a touchdown on a beautiful route. I mean, I thought that was an excellent play design by Freddie. I think a lot of times we're seeing the benefit that a guy like Odell can do, a guy like Landry. I mean, these tight ends were kind of, You know, before the season, we were talking about the matchup problems that Najoku was going to have, and I think it just shows you can have a guy like Harris, a guy like Ricky Seals Jones, a guy like you know Farrell Brown. They're going to get one-on-one coverage. They're going to, you know, Dante Hightower is trying to guard Demetrius Harris thirty yards down the field. That's that's a win every day of the week. So I thought the tight ends did well. You could definitely tell that they were trying to keep an extra one in on um, McCray's side. You know, just because he didn't move as quickly laterally, so they didn't want to get beat around that backside edge. So, but for the most part, I didn't see any really too glaring weaknesses. And I thought overall, the offensive line didn't play that bad when they weren't jumping off uh, false starts. So, I mean, they manhandled it. Chubb was running wild on him 12, 14 yards. I mean, I thought the offensive line looked physical.
1: And last thing, what do you think about the spread of the wide receiver room?
0: I'm wondering what happened to Richard Higgins. You know, I know, I know. Beckham and Landry are the focal parts, focal points of the offense, but Antonio Calloway at this point has done nothing to show me that he's worthy of a spot out there other than in situations where we're we're maybe going four verts. But for the most part, I really thought Higgins would have a bigger part kind of, I knew new England wasn't going to run the cover zero blitz that they ran against the jets as often. And I think the first series, they really kind of wanted to force Baker to throw it. Um, But Rashad Higgins, I think one catch, two yards, and then he got the OPI there at the end. But, you know, I really think he's got to find his place and get back on there um, because I think he's a, he's a valuable piece that we need right now that we're not getting. So a uh, little bit of an APB for Rashard Higgins.
1: All right. Are we going to go over a four or five with the offense?
0: I'm going to four with the penalties and the turnovers. There's no way I can give him an even average grade.
1: All right. Ed, we'll go over four, okay? So defense.
0: You know, I thought the defense played pretty well, Um, you know, given the situations where they were put in just terrible positions. I mean, you know, obviously after the Chubb fumble, it was a scoop and store, so that's not on them. But then on the um, ensuing one where Chubb goes uh, almost to the house call, they got the ball right back for the offense. Um, I believe New England went three and out punted, and then um, Baker went to do the shovel pass. And I think they scored on that one. Um, making it the fourth. Yeah. They scored a touchdown after that one. So the, I believe the defense at one point had new England to like three of 13 on first on third down, new England finished five of 16 on third down, which I thought was pretty good. They held them, to, you know, just over 300 yards. Um, I thought there was a couple guys that really stood out to me. You know, I think having greedy and Denzel back there just showed the speed. I mean, I know there was the one ball that Dorsett caught over the top, but, I'm not sure you could have put the ball any better. I mean, I thought Greedy was great in coverage. They got him for a ticky-tack hold, which I didn't see. But, I mean, Denzel flying off the edge to block that field goal. I thought those guys really showed up and showed out. Um, it was nice having them out there. I thought Eric Murray had a great game. I mean, I know he had a sack, um, had a QB hit on another one. I thought um, there was one play where they tried to leak it out to the, um, to the left, and he came in and made the tackle for loss. So I thought he played really well. Um, in Damaris Randall's absence, and I thought Olivier Vernon, I mean, this was a veteran that has not been given um, a lot of kudos, and I know there's a lot of people talking smack about him because of pro football focus grades and all that nonsense, but I thought he played really well. I mean, he he sets that backside edge. He's physical. I know he had the sack where him and Miles met at the uh, the quarterback, so I thought Olivier Vernon played really well, um, and Miles Garrett, I mean, that guy, you could tell they were two, three guys, and he still ended up getting a sack for the game. So, you know, we had individual guys. The only thing that I'm going to knock on the defense is when they needed to make a stand, they could not get off the field. You know, it was third and 10. We had just gone down and made it 17-10 by kicking the field goal, and they gave up the 59-yard screen pass to James White. And they just couldn't make that play. You know, I needed a guy that was able to offset to pick up Nick Chubb because obviously they were able to scoop and score on one, knock a ball in the air, tip one up, you know, punch a ball out, make a play. We're not getting the turnovers that we did last year under Greg Williams. I was just, I really needed somebody on the defense, a Sheldon Richardson. Just throw that club on a ball and knock it out. Try to infuse some life into the game by making a play. And while I thought a couple guys played, played really well. I didn't get that just game-changing, let's-go-get-it-guys kind of play. And that's the one thing I thought we were missing today from the defense.
1: Big headlines that you texted me before the game saying that Avery active. Correct. How much do you think he played?
0: First series, I know he was out there. Um, He rushed uh, Brady, caused a throwaway in the first series. And to be fair, I didn't watch the snap counts. I have to go back and watch it a little bit. There's a few things I want to kind of check and see. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I think he is, I think they're going to maybe give him a shot over Chris Smith who was a healthy scratch. I'm not sure if that was just a, you know, a matchup type of thing. Um, you know, we got that new D tackle, uh, Elianku from, um, from Jacksonville. So he was one of the inactives, but I, I think maybe they thought, Hey, Avery can bring us a spark and. You know, he did for a play. I'm gonna go back and kind of watch and see what his snap count was. Just to be curious to see what he did. Um but overall, I mean, the defense held New England to twenty points. Um and one of them we gifted him uh what, I think right at the eleven yard line on that on the one interception. So um it it was just one of those ones where the defense played good. I just didn't think they they didn't force a turnover you know they just they didn't make that great play, so I would probably give the defense a you know a six. I thought they were a little bit above average, but I really needed them to make a play or get a stop on third down, and they just they didn't do it
1: after the game. I don't think people want to probably hear this, but um a few of these fans were saying they miss Greg Williams, and hear me out for this in the aspect of interceptions, you know, where have our interceptions come this season versus last season? And why do you think we're not getting so many interceptions?
0: Well, ultimately, I mean, people talk about Greg Williams. How did uh, Tom Brady do against the Greg Williams defense last week? So, you know. Yeah, fair point. I mean, Brady, here's the thing about Brady. We'll leave that Greg Williams point there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and here's why. Tom Brady's a veteran. Like you said, he's laser focused. You blitz him, he's going to kill you. Aaron Rodgers, if you blitz him, he's going to get you. That's what they do. They understand what you're doing as well as you're trying to do it. So last year, if you remember right, go back and look. A lot of our interceptions were against average to below average teams, the Jets, the Bengals. You know, we weren't – it's not like we're going out there picking off – I mean, Roethlisberger, I think, in the first game through a few, remember that really ugly game um, where I think Denzel Ward had two picks. But the Browns – have built a team where the defensive line I thought was getting a lot of pressure. But if you watch Tom Brady, he took the deep shot, the door set and outside of that short and quick Edelman underneath for eight, you know, um, hitting James white out of the backfield, hitting door on the quick outs, you know, hitting Rex Burhead, Sony Michelle, everything was quick. So what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to let my front four get pressure, but Brady's going to sit back. And if you drop seven, Boom. I mean, you knew that New England meant business. It was fourth and what? Fourth and seven on their uh, on their first touchdown or on their field goal drive. Fourth and seven, they went for it. They said, you know what? We're not, we're not going to settle and punt. And what did they do? Brady sat back. Browns went zone defense. He said, I see Mac Wilson. I see Joe Showbert. And he split them right down the middle for a first down. So I think we're going to notice the interception numbers are really going to tick up here as we're facing younger you know less experienced quarterbacks uh you know we're not facing russell wilson we're not facing tom brady um so when we played lamar jackson we had interceptions so i wouldn't be surprised if the interception numbers tick up here towards the end of the year but again is it going to be some sort of a facade where you know the defense is just really good at you know picking off bad quarterbacks i don't know
1: how do you think our linebackers did in general
0: you know, I thought Mac Wilson did well. I think he's growing. Um, he's showing growing pains. I mean, the one ball that Brady put over the top to Ben Watson, I mean, Mac Wilson was on him like white on rice, and it was just a perfectly placed ball and a perfect catch. So, and I'm not going to knock him for that. I thought Schobert did a great job getting into the backfield and causing Sony Michelle to kick out wide. I think he ended with uh, 11 tackles, eight solo. You know, but again, they're just—they're not making that interception. You know, the D line's not making that tip. You know, we watch Seattle's linebackers getting turnovers. You know, I think the linebackers are just right in that—that that mediocre good. DeQuell Jackson, you know, as I said before, good not great. Make a play. You know, Eric Murray got a sack. Olivier Vernon got a sack. Miles Garrett got a sack. Joe Schobert, Mac Wilson, no sacks. So I need something from these guys. I need a forced fumble. I need something. Remember in the Ravens game, it was Joe Schobert who knocked that ball out of Mark Ingram who really changed the, you know, the momentum in that game. So I need the linebackers to step up and make plays because right now they're doing their job. They're just, you know, they're just average. Get, give me more.
1: I thought there was one point in the game when it could have changed everything for us, and that's when we got the uh, block field goal attempt.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, Denzel Ward off the edge, flying, flying around. He did it, it to Justin Tucker.
1: It felt like the Pats moved up the field with penalties, basically, and mm-hmm. it was all going their way. And then suddenly we got a bit of luck, and I thought this, this, this could be it. You know, obviously it wasn't, but um,
0: in in the moment though, you're right because the Browns. That w- I think it was seventeen ten. And then they had them backed up and it's third and 10 and you're like, come on, give us that ball back. We had just went, I think, you know, 55 yards down the field to get the field goal. And even then we shot ourselves in the leg with a penalty down there. Um, I think that was the illegal shift where Baker also took the sack. It wouldn't have mattered where you had, it. I think third and four. Um, But it's like, you know, it's just you pull your brains out or you pull your hair out because you're like, you're right. The momentum's changing. You you took those, you know, those kick in the crotches in the first quarter and you're battling back. If you eliminate the first quarter of this game, Browns win thirteen ten. Or that's was it, it? yeah, thirteen ten, I think. It was it was seventeen nothing at the end of the first quarter.
1: And I think that's the most frustrating thing for me in the stadium was in my head I had all this hope all the time through the whole game of one interception and then maybe take a bit of control. And the,
0: we needed the defense to get the ball out of their hands and just build the momentum. And that's the thing.
1: Turnovers hit us so hard in the positions of the field. It, it was killer.
0: Well, I think we've said it several times that the three things about this team that are just killing us right now are turnovers, drop passes, and just untimely penalties. I mean, listen, I get it. You're going to get some penalties, but they're just such bad timed penalties. It's like, you know, I'm not going to put that completely on Freddie kitchens. You know, he's got to clean it up. You know, I don't, you, you can't make these guys run laps. I mean, we're not 12. It's not training camp. You know, they're, he's saying, I'm not coaching penalties. I believe him. There's no way he's out there saying, Hey, I need you to hit this guy in the head. You know, as Julian Edelman's crossing your face, Eric Murray slap him in the face. I mean, there's no way that's being coached, but you got to clean it up because you know, you may be able to t- beat a team like Miami like that or the Bengals like that, but you're not beating these good teams making dumb ass penalties like that
1: last question on the defense how do you think the
0: secondary did i thought they played well i mean you held tom brady i mean i i, I think he threw for 200 and odd yards um 259 yards two touchdowns everything was short i mean 20 completions so you know, you're talking about 12 12 completion I didn't, I thought greedy played well. I thought he stepped up. You know, people said this guy couldn't tackle. I mean, I saw him making tackles. I saw Denzel Ward, you know, playing well. So from a secondary standpoint, Eric Murray, great game. So, you know, Morgan Burnett even showed up a little bit in there. So I, I didn't have a problem with the secondary. I thought the secondary played pretty well and you know, I think next week when we go and play Denver, I'm really curious to see the secondary because now we're we're talking about a, a group of receivers there in Portland, Sutton, and Cortland Sutton and a bunch of uh, you know a bunch of smack offs that we've never heard of. So I want to see what the secondary can do against inferior talent.
1: All right, mate. I think uh, six out of tens fair yeah. headlines. We need more dynamite plays, more game changing plays, but on general wasn't too bad.
0: Yeah, I thought, I mean, at the end of the day, 14 points off of turnovers and the England scores 27. So that's, you know, organically 13 points. I think that's a pretty damn good job. Special teams? Austin Seibert, money. I mean, I know that a lot of people were wondering why he's kicking that field goal down there to cover the spread. Thank you, Freddie. Um, but in that, in those conditions, kicking a wet, heavy ball, I thought he looked good. Um, you know, I thought kick coverage was solid. Um, punt coverage was solid. Hammer, I think, had a 44 and a half yard average. One um, inside the 20. Um, you know, New England is a master sometimes on special teams, blocking kicks and all this other stuff. And I, I saw nothing glaring on the specials. I mean, you know, we had the one dumbass penalty that ended up being. It was right in the first quarter um, right before the Baker interception where Dontrell Hilliard catches the ball right around about the 35 yard line, gets it up to midfield. And then we had a penalty on our Darius, not on the field. Taylor that was really on somebody else. And they couldn't figure out who the penalty was on. Romo was watching the replays. Like, I'm not sure who this was on. Um, but it ended up being, I think a 35 yard penalty. Cause instead of having the ball at midfield, we had the ball at like the 22 or something like that. So, um, that was really the only thing on specials that I thought was uh, pretty bad is, you know, we really need to make sure that we're not costing ourselves 30 yards in uh in net gain because of a, a block in the back or anything like that.
1: So a number for the special team. I'll
0: give him an eight. I thought that, you know, hammer booted the ball. Well, I think only one of them was really kind of uh not his greatest, but I thought overall he did pretty well. Um, you know, holding in that in that weather is a challenge. Cybert um, was good; a kick coverage was good. You know, I thought that the Patriots and the Browns pretty much had a net a net equal on specials. So I would say that's an eight.
1: I think that's uh, fair on the uh, special teams. I thought, yeah, Scott Hanna looked like he punted well. Seeing it real life, I was really low down. It looked like yeah, a rugby kick. It was up, up there in the air, spiraling away. So uh, yeah, that was all good.
0: I look forward to seeing him kick in person. I'm going to get to a game here uh, relatively soon, but um, yeah, I look forward to seeing him in person because you know I used to be a punter, so I, I kind of have a little bit of an idea what that sounds like. And I, I've just heard such good things about him. I want to hear. I want to hear that ball. I want to hear the sound.
1: Yeah, I, I saw him before the game. I was uh, standing by the Browns tunnel. He winked at me. Could have been anyone else, but he winked at me. He saw the kill and he winked.
0: Well, after you got a shout out on his Instagram, there's no way he didn't see. You.
1: <laughs> but um, it just to had some content there. I was uh, looking down into Baker Mayfield's eyes before the um the game, and he was fully up for it, fully focused. I don't think you can take away how much the Browns wanted to win and they cared and. Yeah, uh, Scottish Hamlets wearing a short-sleeved uh, jersey. Classic rugby mentality. Yeah. Don't, want the, don't want the long sleeves to slow you down or make you feel cold. Get rid of the arms and uh, you'll feel a lot better. So, uh, yeah. All right, let's 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 wrap this up. Denver's six days away.
0: You know, I'm I'm looking forward to good things. I think that, you know, a guy like Joe Flacco, who's a statue in the pocket, um, I think the, the offensive line of the Broncos struggles. I know Garrett Bull is like a human turnstile over there at left tackle. So I think we could be looking at maybe a 2-3 sack game out of whoever's going up against him, Miles and Olivier. But ultimately, I thought the Browns came out of this one pretty healthy. Um, I think they really just need to refocus. Um, you know, Now we're getting into the easy part of the schedule. So now it's time to really just impose your will. I mean, we've really seen what Nick Chubb's able to do you know, so I think it's time we're really going to get the balance. Get off the fire kitchens bandwagon. It's seven games. You know, I didn't – I know people want to talk about the challenges. Um, I didn't really – and we're talking about three timeouts in the first half. You know, you want to try to get the stop on fourth down. I don't have a problem with that. You know, there's – with the time and, you know, what was, what was he going to do? Call timeout after another sack on our last drive that went nowhere. And then the one where it was at OPI. I know they're not getting overturned, but you see guys like Pete Carroll, you see other top coaches in the league throw the flag on that one um, just to find out and see because if it's – like Freddie said, if it's within six inches to a foot, hell, you never know what you get. That was a big play. You know. If it ends up going your way, I see the, you know, the risk there. So no problem with those challenges. I just think he needs to get back to Berea. I think he needs to refocus these guys. You know, I think a guy like Baker is really going to be able to carry the pail you know, and get the focus back in the locker room saying, Hey, you know what? That game's over. We saw what happens whenever we shoot ourselves in the foot, but you know, I really am just expecting a great performance against Denver. I'm optimistic after seeing some of the things that we've done the last couple of weeks. Um, I just, I see our ability to run the ball. You know, I see when we are within structure offensively, how well we can do when we're just not giving the ball away. So I really have good things to come here in the next nine weeks.
1: Yeah, mate, I say I'm a bit down and a bit in the gloom, suffering with hypothermia as we talk. But, yeah, I still believe, I reckon there's a good chance we're going to get a lot of wins in the latter part of the season.
0: Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. You know, I'd like to be at least 500 or above, which, you know, means that we got to go at least 6-3 and three here towards the end. Um, and, you know, I think there's a good shot that that's probably the floor. Um, you know, Arizona's playing good ball. Buffalo's an ugly team, but we saw Philly today just take them out back. Um, you know, the Steelers, i will be curious to see them against the Dolphins tomorrow night. Um, but yeah, so I definitely agree more wins to come overall. What would you, uh, what would you give the performance being in the stadium?
1: Yeah. In the stadium, I like their attitude. They really look like they cared when you see it in the face. And I don't know, I've seen Browns come to London and I didn't think they cared in London like they care today. Mm -hmm. They want this to work. It's just so tough to watch. And I think every single Browns fan, from the person that says Fire Freddy to maybe people that are thinking change is gonna happen soon. It's just so tough to watch and look, We've got to remember, we're playing the Super Bowl champions. We were never expected to win this game.
0: We were 14 and a half point underdogs. That tells you right yeah. there.
1: But I think the biggest problem for the Browns is, fans, we can all see we could have won that game.
0: Here's the thing. I don't, I, I don't want to – if this, if that, you know, the whole if my aunt had a penis, she'd be my uncle – But I wanted to see a better performance. I wanted to see a cleaner game. I didn't want to give New England the easy path to victory like we gave them. I wanted to see them work for it. I wanted to see, you know, come second half, it's a three-point game. It's a seven-point game, you know, where we're just trading punches. That's what I was really looking forward to. And even if we fell short and, you know, lost by a field goal or whatever it was, I didn't want to just see us just lay down. But you're right. there is no quit in this team i mean down 17 nothing they were still out there swinging so i think you have a lot of heart in that locker room and i would almost bet a paycheck nick chubb will not fumble a twice in a game probably in the rest of his career nor i bet he doesn't fumble twice the rest of the season so i'm taking the under two fumbles for nick chubb the entire rest of the season because a guy like that you know Take something like this and learns. So if you remember right, Kareem Hunt's first game against New England, he fumbled and then bounced back. So, you know, I think the guys will pull a lot from this, this loss. And, you know, there's no moral victories. You lose. You're, you're, you are what your record says. You're two and five. So, but I think that elevates the focus. And I'm telling you, Nick Chubb's not turning the ball over like that anymore.
1: Mm. Well, yeah, it was an awesome experience going to the stadium. Big stadium. Felt quite modern stadium when you're in there. I'd probably say there's 40 Pats fans to one Browns fans, maybe 100 Pats to uh, one Browns fan. And I'll tell you what, the Pats fans are so annoying. They're just constantly coming up and literally patronizing just constantly. Um, just, yeah, very, so annoying the Pats fans are.
0: I will tear it out. The Browns had six Super Bowls like they did. They'd probably be the most – the bronze fans hadn't even won a game this season, and they were probably some of the more obnoxious fans this offseason. So you can imagine Patriots fans with all those Super Bowls and just decades of dominance. Ugh. Oh, Ugh. Oh.
1: Like, first someone to come up to me and go, Cleveland sucks, or straight to my face, instead of coming up, like, give me a fake tap on the shoulder, like, yeah, Cleveland will do well, and – Oh, just, yeah, piss off. Leave me alone.
0: Yeah, just, just wait. I mean, uh, we're going to go, you know, obviously, down to the Bengals game and maybe a couple other ones. So, yeah, you're, you're going to get that. I mean, the problem is, is nobody wanted to hear Cleveland flex about how good they were when we hadn't won shit in two decades. So, if I, that ever turns, I'm just telling you, Browns fans will be as obnoxious as possible. And you know what? Damn it, they earned it. After sitting through all this shit for the last couple of years, I mean, <laughs> they've earned it.
1: Ian, you say a couple of years. I think most fans say 20, okay. 20 25 years.
0: No. I bet you any money the bronze win the next three games, we're going to be flexing beer muscles like no other.
1: All right, buddy. I'm to get some sleep. It's body clock, 6 a.m., so uh, I need to get some sleep. But, mate, great talking to you. And, uh, yeah, then for the next month.
0: When are you back to England?
1: Uh, I fly back 6 o'clock Boston time tomorrow. Fly into London I don't go home I jump on another flight to Germany I put a suit on I work for two days in Munich
0: Oof, well we'll catch up later this week we'll go over some stuff with the Broncos I'm going to go back and rewatch this game maybe pull up some tidbits about where we are you know seven games into the season and where we can make the biggest improvements. so hmm. all right buddy yeah. get some sleep. it's
1: going to be so annoying to see this win and we're bloody third.
0: that won't last
1: though. go Browns keep the faith